Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Dr. Mary Catherine Reljack serves as the superintendent of schools in the Fox Chapel Area School District in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As an educator, she has over 23 years of experience with over 18 years in leadership positions in multiple school districts in Western Pennsylvania. Mary Catherine is a teacher at heart and became an educational leader so that she could impact educational systems and organizations in larger and more positive ways. She is an advocate for children and insists that decisions are made with the best interests of children first. She believes in empowering others to be leaders in their arenas and spheres of influence because working together towards a common goal produces better outcomes. Her goal is to help people to be the best version of themselves and enjoy celebrating the successes of others. Dr. Reljack regularly serves as a mentor to other leaders and is a facilitator for the development of other educational leaders through Pennsylvania's Inspired Leadership Program of the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Our interview will continue after messages from our sponsors. Discover the anti-budgeting CPA's surprising financial freedom formula for small business owners. As fast as money comes in, it goes right back out. Make solid money decisions and create a positive cash flow. Start with these 25 tips to making and keeping more money available from Maddie Brown, CPA at SmashingNumbers.com. Michelle Ashby, CEO of ACE LLC, is a fearless, committed champion for the betterment of women. Michelle has a goal to prepare a thousand women to sit on corporate paying boards. To date, over 500 women have attended an ACE board training program, and of those women, there are 91 ACE board graduates with board certification by Corporate Directors International. 46 corporate board appointments, 5 CEO appointments, and 2 new companies launched. Find out more at www.acellc.consulting and take your free board assessment quiz now to see if you are a possible board candidate. Link to assessment is in the show notes. Welcome, Dr. Mary Catherine Reljack. How are you? I am doing very well, Lily. It is so lovely to see you uh, over this virtual call and to talk with you today. You look great. Thank you. (laughs) We're so excited to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am very ready. 
Fantastic. All right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Sure. Currently, I am serving as the superintendent of schools of the Fox Chapel Area School District. And that is a school district in Pennsylvania, about 10 miles northeast of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Fox Chapel is a district that is about 4,100 students. So it's large for our region, but not necessarily large when you look nationally at school districts. I have been the superintendent of this school district for approximately six months now. So it is a relatively new position, and it is certainly an interesting time to take a new position in a new district during a global health pandemic. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be part of the district and to serve the communities that we reach. Prior to this, I was an assistant superintendent in public education in a district that's only about a half hour from here, Franklin Regional School District, and spent a number of years there. And I've been a principal before that for a number of years in other local districts, but all of my experiences in Western Pennsylvania, and that's really special no matter where in the country you are, very rarely do people stay in a place. And the beauty of that, I think, is that I've been able to grow as a leader and see myself growing as a leader, but also be able to affect a lot of people that I still get to work with in the region. And that's been very exciting for me. You know, and that's a tall order on the regular, right? And now (laughs) with this global pandemic, and hopefully we're seeing the tail end or at least some light at the end of the tunnel, what are some challenges that you're facing as an ed leader? I think that the world of education has just like every other sector of the world has really been thrown into new territory as a result of that global pandemic. And I think that we can lament the things that we can't do, but I really have challenged my teams to think of what we can do in all of that. I think some of the challenges are that we in education always realized how important we were to things that were outside of just learning, uh, how important we were to students for their food security or to students for their access to technology, for socialization, for mental health and emotional supports, and also to our staff and our families. And we also recognized how much we contributed to the community and community service. And certainly all of that has taken on new value in the fact that we have had to deal with such an unusual time. And so I think that the world of education has had to invent itself many different ways. We have had to change direction. Sometimes within the same week, we are changing direction. We've had to collaborate and rely not only on our internal teams, but externally across a region. And in order to be successfully in school right now, communities are counting on each other to be able to follow good, safe practices so that our children can be in school. And so it's added a whole level of purposefulness to what a school means to a community and how a community supports a school. So those are some of the things I think that have been unbelievably challenging in addition to the anxiety that this creates. At the same time though, I also think it's such an opportunity for us in education to really decide what is important and what do we stand for and where are we gonna put our focus? And I have watched people in education in all realms of the educational journey do some pretty amazing things and have really been able to capitalize on the disruptions in ways that I hope we can sustain moving forward in the future when we may be a little bit further past this uh, so that we can kind of remake what we're doing 
keep the things that are working well and the practices that are time to, to sunset or to retire. I haven't actually spoken to a superintendent in quite some time. I did at the beginning when I first started this and then the pandemic happened and it was really hard. But you know, my heart is in education. I've been in education for over 25 years. And I started this because I wanted all of us to collectively up-level how we lead. So I would love to hear from you what you've learned, like what is important? What do you value and what is your focus? So in Pennsylvania, the schools closed in March, which is about the time frame that schools closed across the country. And right away, first and foremost, we realized that what was important were people. And we needed to have people and we needed to have relationships and we needed to take care of each other. And educators all around the world first focused on essential needs. We had to make sure our children who were counting on us for breakfast and lunch got their food. We had to make sure that our staff members felt safe and secure. We had to make sure that, that we were handling ourselves safely and not putting people in a risky situation because we didn't have a lot of information. And I often would talk with my team at that time about how when we had to close as a school to what we were currently doing, we really didn't close, we just remade ourselves. And I, I sort of liken it to a boat that is sinking everything was sort of falling apart around us. And when your boat is sinking, you start to throw things off the boat in order to keep it afloat. And right away, we threw all kinds of things out the window or off the boat to focus on what we absolutely needed to do to keep our boats afloat. And that was take care of our children, take care of our staff and take care of our communities. And so I think that as our boats are now floating along in the current, we should be very careful about what we add back into the boat because we have really focused on people, relationships, taking care of each other. And I think that a lot of the things that we took for granted in those daily interactions and some of those daily routines, now we have the opportunity to examine them and see their importance or their lack of importance. And so I look at it in a time of hope because those are some of the things that we needed to do right away. And then we had to figure out how do we create stability for children and how do we bring them back into an educational world? And how do we then after we've normalized and stabilized a little bit, challenge them because we still need to grow. We can't lose this educational time or opportunity for children. How do we support staff members who are doing something completely new or who may be worried about what they are doing? And how do we support each other when something happens in the region or there are health concerns in a family and you really just don't have much more emotional wiggle room to give to someone else. How does someone else help you? And so I really have tried to take that humanistic point of view in education and then at the same time, look at what we need to do moving forward. So those were some of the things that I really thought about when we closed and then moving to a new district and reopening schools for the fall. Those were the same things that we focused on. And I think that the health concerns spotlighted what is absolutely important, not only in the educational world, but in our communities and in our world. And so it gives us an opportunity to consider those anew and build them. You know, Mary Catherine, you occurred to me as someone that's so compassionate. And I love that. Also, what's going on in education too, there's a lot of stress. You spoke about relationships and caring for people. 
educators are listening. A lot of ed leaders are listening. How can we promote self-care? That is important because we can't give what we don't have. So talk to us about that. I will certainly talk about it because it's critical and it was critical prior to all of the health crisis, but I think now we notice it even more. And it was something that I have been very focused on in my teams as to how we can promote self-care. And I think the first thing that we can do is acknowledge that it's necessary. Sometimes we feel like we get a badge for doing something when we don't feel our best. All of us have not felt well and we get a badge because we go to school that day to teach our students or we go to work that day to do our job. And that was a value that we had as a society. And now we're asking people when you don't feel well to stay home. And that is the value that we have. And that's a hard lesson. So some of it is just acknowledging it's necessary, acknowledging that we need to find a balance and that we have to at times give ourselves permission. One of the difficulties I think that educators everywhere learned is that the world, because it went online, also elongated our work days. And so we used to go to a place in order to work and then leave and we could have that separation. And now your work world and your home world were blended in so many ways. And although that happens in many other fields, it it didn't happen as regularly with educators. And the nature of the service industry that education is, it requires a lot of that emotional outpouring of educators. And so some of it is not only acknowledging we need it, but then setting a realistic boundary and being okay when you need to turn off your phone for a little bit or not answer your email or doing things. And I think that has been a really difficult thing for educators. And so we've worked on strategies for that. And I think the other thing too, is to be realistic as a leader in education. I am realistic about what we ask of our people. And what I mean by that is right now, I feel like we are successful when we accomplish sometimes just the typical of engaging in a day of school. And this may not be the time that we want to try new programming or try for some massive professional development event outside of what we are doing as a result of our current needs. That doesn't mean my mind isn't thinking of those. And it doesn't mean we're not planting the seeds. We do have groups in our school district that are ready to take the next step and we are jumping with them. However, it's being cognizant of what you ask of people and being realistic and giving them permission to be realistic about what they can handle back to you. And so I try to model that as a leader for my team. As I try not to interrupt their evenings or their weekends unless we have to. I try to model that sometimes it's okay for us to laugh and for us to have a meeting that we don't accomplish our goal. And instead of being upset about that, we recognize what it is and that we just weren't in the frame of mind today because we were worried about something else and trying to help them with strategies of how to do that with the people they work with and then help our teachers with strategies of how to do that with their children. A lot of children are hurting right now in many ways, and that makes our teachers hurt because they want to take away all of that pain, whether it's emotional or academic pain. And it's making it okay to feel that way, not accepting that we have to feel that way, but then helping each other through it and just being realistic. And there's no good formula for that. And I would be remiss if I would come across to say that I have it all figured out and I'm really good at that. I am not, but that's when you need other people talking in your ear, family members and colleagues saying, you know what, you look pretty tired. Maybe you should go home today. 
And I think we need to look out for each other in the same way that we're looking out for ourselves. And I love that because you're not just talking about it, you're walking the talk in modeling. And that's a pillar of great leadership. We become the change that we wish to see, right? That great quote. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Most of us sit, and we sit a lot, 8 to 10 hours each day. Unfortunately, we're not designed to sit. The result of this mismatch between our hunter-gatherer bodies and our sedentary, chair-centric society is an epidemic of poor posture, weakened core muscles, and back pain. Worse, sitting passively slumped all day leads to increased rates of diabetes, heart disease, even cancer. Sitting eight hours per day robs the average person of two years of life. Luckily, it turned out that sitting isn't the real problem. The real culprit is sitting still. And while we can't get away from sitting, we can get away from sitting still. Dr. Turner Osler created a new type of chair that revolutionizes sitting by promoting movement while sitting. Purchase this chair at QOR360.com and begin your journey of active sitting. Is there a quote, advice, or practice that has helped you most during crisis? Yes, and it changes over the years. I will tell you one of my earliest quotes that I latched onto as probably a five or six-year-old was, every mistake is a rung on the ladder of success. And so I really hinged upon that as a child. I used to have that quote in my bedroom and it's something that I would recite because it is hard when you make mistakes and it's especially hard when you're making mistakes in a leadership role. But instead of looking at those as mistakes, you look at them as just another rung as you climb that ladder of whatever your goal is. So that has really uh, been one that I focused on because we have all made mistakes as we have been moving forward and we make them every day and, and good growth comes through big mistakes sometimes. And so we have to embrace that as part of the learning process. But I will tell you early in the global pandemic, I read a quote and it was actually from uh, Dr. Barbara Henry, who is British Columbia's top health official in Canada. And her quote was, this is our time to be kind, to be calm and to be safe. And that quote really spoke to me at that time because as a leader, I recognized that if I could portray being kind, being calm, and being safe, I could help people to relax enough that they could focus their minds on the tasks that we needed to do that were really big lifts in rebuilding education. And I loved that quote so much, I had it put on a bracelet and I've worn it every day to try and remind me of what I really do every day sets that tone. And although those are seem very simple, they are not very simple because if you're kind and you're calm and you're safe, then you are in a space that you can grow. And so I really look at it as a space where we take care of people, but that doesn't mean that we aren't ready and poised to be able to grow and challenge ourselves. Be kind, be calm, and be safe. You're a lot smarter than me. I had an inspiring quote tattooed. I could have gotten a bracelet. (laughs) I have the bracelets. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? I'm learning an awful lot right now about myself as a person, about myself as a leader, about myself as a family member. And I think all of us are. I really try and approach the world as if 
I'm a novice at everything I'm doing. And what I mean by that is by approaching it, I am looking at it, trying to learn as much as I can. I try not to walk in a room thinking I know any of the answers. I may know some, and I may have some expertise that I can lend, but I think when you approach the world, looking at it like you can learn from every situation, you tend to learn in more situations than you may have if you approach it thinking, I already know what I'm going to do. And so really I am learning a lot about how to engage people that I haven't met in person because of a global pandemic in learning who they are and in really learning from them. I think some other things that I'm learning, I'm always reading. And so one of the things that I found helpful when we had to change our routines and change our gathering practices and things like that is that I had more time to read. Uh, I will admit for a while, I think I read every health document that came out regarding school reopenings and many you know, state and national organizations documents. However, I also felt found time to read about how do you work in team development? How do you work in governance? I also have read some things about what do we want out of educational systems in the future? What does a future looking system really do for its students? And how do we assess students and learn from students in this environment? And so those are some of the things I am learning right now. I know that my husband, I think, was worried when he saw me sitting with highlighters and post-it notes again that I had signed up for some class. But it's really just how I consume the information so that I can make use of it. And not only am I learning, I'm asking other people what they're learning because right now we have some time for passion as well as for what we need to do for our work. And sometimes I learn a lot about people by hearing what they're passionate about and they're learning as a result. I love what you're learning. And just from what you expressed, to me, you come across as someone who is humble in their approach to the things they know, the things they don't know. And the reason that's so important to me is because there's a strong connection between humility and wisdom. At least I've discovered. I don't like humility so much. Sometimes I don't want to go that way. But if I want wisdom, then that's what I have to choose. And I recognize it when I hear it. And it makes sense why you are wise. It makes sense why you're moving in this direction. And you're inspiring me as I hear from an educational leader. It's so encouraging. And so I want to really thank you. Oh, you are welcome. And thank you. I really do believe, and I actually say it sometimes that when you stop approaching your job as a leader with humility, you lose your edge because as soon as you stop approaching your job with humility, you will miss something that you needed to do. And so if you really approach your leadership from that humble perspective, you will be in a better spot. And I think that really came to light in a global pandemic, because at that same moment in time, leaders across all sectors were asked to step up and lead their organizations in ways that were unscripted. And what we saw is that leadership isn't always contingent upon a title. It isn't always contingent upon a position. We saw leaders stepping up who didn't have the positional authority, but had the leadership. And we also saw leaders who really had trouble stepping up to lead their organizations. And so I think that it was a good learning experience for people that leadership can come in any way, shape or form. And when you're humble enough to consider it that way, you don't look at the room and assess everyone based on who they may be, what their titles are, what their backgrounds are. Instead, you look at them all as people that have something you can learn from. And maybe, 
that person in the room that you didn't expect will have the winning idea that propels your organization forward. Leadership is super important. And so when you think of leadership, is it something that should be taught in schools? I do believe it should be taught in schools. And I feel that I have benefited from people that have taught me how to be a leader. And it needs to be taught overtly to give students and people confidence that what they have to say is important, but also what others have to say is important. And a good leader can mesh all of those ideas and motivate people forward. I think that leadership not only needs to be taught, it needs to be practiced and it needs to be discussed as a skill set for students, but also a skill set for adults. And you can do that in so many different ways, and there are great ways to do it. But I absolutely believe that leadership needs to be taught because you never know when that person in front of you is going to need to be the leader. And I'd rather teach them how to be a leader. It's different for someone like me who chose to be a leader, but sometimes you're put in a leadership position and you didn't choose it. I'd really love for people to be equipped with some skills. And we get to educate the world, right? We get to educate the future. And if we teach them leadership skills, how amazing would that be? That's my passion. That's my vision. And so I see we align. So that's exciting. Now, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think that I am very concerned about leadership in the complexity of any kind of a leadership job. And that complexity, I think, always existed. But I've been an educational leader for 19 years. And certainly, although my positions have changed, the complexity of all of those jobs has changed because of connectivity, because of social media, because of expectations, and because of sophistication in some ways. And so I think complexity is exciting, but it also makes leadership even more difficult at times. The other thing that I think worries me and concerns me is how harsh critics can be. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have lost our sense of criticism for good, and instead we criticize people. It's different if you criticize an action, but when it becomes personal, it takes on a whole level of meaning for the person that's being criticized or for others that are watching that. And so I think leaders have to learn how to handle criticism. It's not that that isn't the case, but I think that some of the harshness of that, as well as the complexity of the job and how it affects your personal and work-life balance is really something that concerns me as we're building the next set of leaders, because I frequently hear from people, I don't want your job, or I wouldn't want to do your job because of those things. Or the old one where teachers would say, oh, you're going to the dark side. Correct. Correct. And I find joy in my job and I love what I get to do. And I love that I have the opportunity to be a leader. But at the same time, I can see that some of the things that you have to deal with can turn leaders away. And I hate to lose the leadership if we could just change how we go about showing our distaste of or our appreciation of our leaders. But what I'm hopeful about in all of that is that I have seen people step up to the plate and especially in these unusual times and show leadership and courage and creativity and caring and love in ways that we did not expect. And what I'm very hopeful for is really our children who are going through this right now. Our 
high school seniors who have lost out on so many of their what we would consider traditional things in high school, but have created their own new traditions and their own ways of working together. Our college students who have lost out on what we would consider the traditional college experience, but have created a new one. And so what I'm very hopeful for is I hope that our students take the lessons that they learned about what was important and what they valued and can take that into their future roles as leaders, because it could be a pretty amazing thing to see this generation of children who have had to deal with a health pandemic, with political crisis, with racial unrest and social justice issues, to take all of those lessons and really make a difference in the world. And I hear that passion in our students when I talk to them, and that excites me for what we could see in the future. Right, and it would be so amazing if we could support them with strong leadership skills to just bring that into their world and to have a great impact in the world around them. So thank you so much for that. Now we have an option for you. You can either take a question from a former guest or you can share a challenge, a struggle, or a failure that you learned from. I am game to take a question from a former guest if there's something interesting. I was hoping you would say that. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Michael Hines. He is a superintendent in New York, in Port Washington. And he has a deep question here. He wants to know, what is your philosophy of education? And can you define that in four sentences or less? Mm, That's a really deep question, especially when you put the caveat of four sentences or less. That was his question, not mine. (laughs) Well, I have to thank Dr. Hines for that question. Um, My philosophy of education I believe education should help people to learn who they are, to learn about the world around them, and to be equipped to make changes that are positive in the future. I think that education needs to also care about people and challenge people to do things they didn't think were possible. I think you nailed it. (laughs) Thank you. That was great. I love it, love it, love it. I am a fan. Thank you, Lily. (laughs) So as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? I would love to hear from a future leadership guest. What do you do to help mentor the next set of leaders and share what you have learned to those who are your colleagues or to those who are learning from you? The reason I ask that question, really interested in how we not only informally, but formally mentor and help others in their leadership journey and what strategies people use in order to help people to grow as leaders. People have given to me and because people have given to me and continue to give to me, I am who I am today and I will be who I am in the future. And if we don't give back every opportunity we have, then we're missing an opportunity to help someone else to be in a position to do that in the future. And so I see it as a long lineage of leaders. And I think every day about what did I do to give back to somebody so that they can be a little bit better in what they do. And I think that would be really exciting to hear how others do that. That's a wonderful question. Thank you so much. Can you imagine I do this with every guest and I get these amazing nuggets I think it's a great way to do that with guests. It's really a plus one kind of thing. What else can we do? And what a great way to focus the conversation on leadership because leadership in education or in business or in government really shares so many of the same characteristics. It's just a different material to work with. That's all. Absolutely. And I do want to speak to you about coaching. 
I know that coaching is fairly new to education. It hasn't been around for that long. A lot of mentoring, yes. In leadership, we need coaches. Speak to that and why that's important. Coaching to me in leadership, no matter what the field, but also in educational leadership is a really critical component that is frequently missing. And coaching can be a very formal relationship where there's an official coach and you are going through tasks together. But really, I think coaching is at its essence about helping someone to be metacognitive about what they do, helping someone to be reflective and really talking through with someone how they can grow as a leader. And so for me, I've had the pleasure of being responsible to coach leadership teams over the years in education. And what I always tried to do on that was to help people to understand who they were, how what they did affected others, and to give them options of what they might want to do going forward. It's not to tell someone what to do. It's to help them to come to the understanding of what they should do. And when you have a coach that you can count on to have honest conversations, sometimes conversations that are uncomfortable, but that you trust is willing to help you to be better, then you open yourselves up to so many good things. And I've always learned as much from the people I coach as I hope that maybe I can give them half as much as what I've learned from them. So coaching is such a critical component because none of us are really great at everything every day. And at the end of every day, I really think through what did I do well? What didn't I do well? And what did I do that someone else should have done? And I didn't coach them in order to do it, or I didn't ask them to do it, or I didn't delegate to them depending on the day and the task. And I think that those are really simple things that when you take that reflective stance as a leader independently, you're in a great spot. But when you have a coach, they see things in you or can look from the outside in and help you to see things you might not normally be recognizing in yourself. And that's such a benefit to your practice, but a benefit to all of those that you end up leading. I love how even in your question, it just speaks to your practice. When you think about leadership, you not only continue to learn, but I love how mindful you are and how intentional you are about equipping others and bringing others along with you. And it speaks to how you value legacy and how important that is, especially as educators, especially in schools, in the education system. I'm biased because I'm an educator, but that's one of the most significant work to do is to educate others. And to do that around leadership is so, so important because we do impact and we do influence the world. And so to take that responsibility, to understand that that's the responsibility we have, is just amazing. And I love that. Well, I think when I really look at it, you know, part of coaching is to help people to become better at what they do, but also part of having that responsibility and understanding that is I do that as a leader in education, because first of all, I need a team to understand what my non-negotiables are, what my vision is because of my position or because of my charge from our board or because of what we need to do in the community. And so part of it is helping people to understand that, but the bigger piece is I want them to understand it when I'm not in the room and be able to consider that. And when you coach people and you are purposeful in doing that, you're not only helping them to become better leaders, you're helping them to make those decisions when you're not in the room in a way that you're comfortable with. But my goal is that they help someone else after that 
to make decisions that are strong as well. And we may not always agree on the decisions, but I think if we agree on the ways we're thinking about it, it makes it very much a collaborative conversation. And I always tell people, I don't need things to be done my way. I just need us to get to here and I need them to be done honoring what we value as a team. Fantastic. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I will share that I enjoy listening to your podcast. I enjoy the breadth of leadership that you have in all the different sectors. And I really think that as anyone who identifies as a leader, whether it's because of what they do or just because of who they are, when you do that in a way to serve others, I think it puts you in a really great spot to make a difference. And this world needs more leaders rather than less. It needs more people that are willing to step up. And instead of saying, that's not my problem, let me see how I can help. And I hope that through some of the conversations you're able to have with people, someone else is inspired to be able to maybe contribute a little bit more in their world and their sphere of influence. Well, thank you. And you certainly have contributed to us. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much for hosting me. I appreciate it. Have a fantastic day. You too, Lily. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.